We're uh, doing two weeks, this week and next week, um, in a little series on prayer. Um, so broadly speaking, this week is how to pray, next week is what to pray about. Um, and I was just thinking, like, prayer is um, a common thing when you look um, through all different cultures, all throughout history, um, people pray. But the word prayer means, like, very different things to, to different people. Um, some people might be, if you say prayer, think of, yeah, I'm going to like, repeat a familiar prayer that I, uh, repeat, like, that I said as a, a child over and over again. Whereas some people might think of it as like ritual chanting around a, a fire. Um, some people might think, oh yeah, when I pray I'm going through a list of requests. Where some people just think of it like emptying your mind and connecting with nature. It means many different things to, to many different people. Um, and also, um, maybe this is not true in every uh, sort of area where people might pray, but um, certainly within the church, you find that people are often dissatisfied with their prayer, prayer life. Um, if we talk about our own prayer lives, we're often like, oh yeah, I like, feel like it's not going that well, or it feels like hard work, or people feel dissatisfied with it. it may even be non-existent. Um, and then the common response to that is often to feel bad about it, but then not do anything different um, going forward. And so I want to take a look, um, as we're thinking about how to pray today, um, just at some words that Jesus said about prayer, um, and see what we can uh, learn from that. So it's Matthew chapter 6, um, and I'm going to read at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus says there three times in that, when you pray, don't do this, or when you pray, do this. He obviously, he's talking to his followers, right? that would be us now if you're a Christian, and he's saying, when you pray, don't do it like this. When you pray, do it like that. It's not if you pray, you might want to try this or not. It's when you pray. He obviously uh, sees this as a normal activity of somebody who's following him. Prayer is part of the normal life of a Christian. So why is it that we so often find it so difficult or we're dissatisfied with how that's going in our life? Um, we're focusing on a couple of things that Jesus says here, and we're going to pray that um, God uses these uh, words um, and through his Holy Spirit uh, just uh, teaches us how, how we can connect and enjoy our uh, prayer life more than ever. So the first thing uh, that I want to say is to how to pray is we actually have to, like, we have to pray. I, I know that seems obvious, but we actually, actually have to do it. That's what Jesus expects us to do. When he, why is he saying, when you pray, do it like this? He expects us to be doing it, and then he's given us some um, instructions about uh, the way it can go wrong or the way it can uh, be done effectively. He contrasts like um, followers of his, how they should be praying with the hypocrites. He doesn't say who the hypocrites are, but we, we can pick up from elsewhere that it's the religious leaders, some of the religious leaders. And there's the first thing that he says the hypocrites do wrong is that they love to stand, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. They're praying in public to be seen by others. They want to be seen by others doing it. I don't know whether audience is the right word to, to use when you're thinking about prayer, but if you want to use it, the audience of prayer 
of our prayer is God, not other people. We're praying to God. We're not praying to be seen by others. The, the thing that Jesus is criticising here is they're, they're primary, uh, primarily thinking about uh, the human audience. These, these people around, I'm in the synagogue in public, I'm, in the, I'm on the street corner, there's these people around, and those people become the primary focus um, of their prayers. Jesus is clear, don't do that. Now, it seems to be that they're uh, looking to show off. So uh, they're praying in public and they're doing it because then that'll in, in, improve the impression that other people have, on the, have of them. They're trying to impress people. And you might see that same attitude today. There might be somebody who's thinking, right, okay, I'm, Ben's asked me to pray at the front of church today, so I'm gonna, I want to really impress people. I'm going to make it really um, good. But also that, that over preoccupation with the human audience of prayer comes out in a more subtle way which I think is more certainly more common for me might be more common for you is not so much trying to show off to impress but maybe changing what we might pray or maybe even not praying at all based on who is around at the time that might not be trying to impress people by saying impressive things it's trying to impress people by not saying the wrong things it also reflects a focus on the human audience of prayer rather than the the, the true audience who, who is God. Now, obviously, there's a, there's a time and a pray, place for uh, praying in public. This afternoon is one of them. Like the life group gatherings are one of them. Like it's good to pray together. Um, it's good to pray where other people are listening. And when you're doing that, I think it is a good thing to consider the audience. Like if I was praying this afternoon, I want it to be understandable to people. So I probably shouldn't use the full-on like Hartlepool slang. We're not all from Hartlepool in here. So I need to tone down or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not toning down the language. Maybe it's lifting it up. I don't know what it is. But we want it to be, we want it to be understandable. So it's all right to think about the audience. If I, like, we, I did Grace Kids last week and we spent a little bit of time praying. I maybe prayed differently down there. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I would imagine it was different to if I'm praying at the end of the, the service today. I don't think that's what Jesus is criticising. That's just being aware of the audience and that's trying to serve the audience um, or serve the other people who are there. Audience probably isn't the right word. Um, whereas the, the motivation that he's criticising is trying to impress them. It's great to pray with other people, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a personal prayer life. That's what he's saying. Go into your room. When you pray, you're not doing it in public to try and be seen by others. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. When, then your father who sees what he's done in secret. Jesus is talking here about something where there's nobody else around, where it's just you. That doesn't mean we don't pray with other people. It's great to pray with other people. There's stuff in the Bible about praying with other people. But what Jesus is talking about here is a personal prayer life. Jesus had this himself. He prayed with the disciples often. At one point, he's even praying, saying, I'm praying this for the benefit of the people listening. Yeah, so he's praying, bearing, bearing them in mind and trying to serve them with his prayers. But he also has a personal prayer life. It says he often withdrew to solitary places to pray. I think it's, it's great when we pray with others. I enjoy doing it. I want us all to do that. But we need to, we need to cultivate a personal prayer life. If you don't pray when you're not with others, then you're not accessing one of the greatest gifts God's got for you. It's like you're being given this amazing gift and you're just leaving it unwrapped in the, the corner of the room. There's no way around this. Like You can't get around this. There's no way somebody else can do this for you. This is just about you and you praying to God. 
It's not a bad thing to say there's no, no way around it and there's no, nobody else can do it for you. It's like saying, I've got this amazing gift for you. There's no way around it. You, you're going to have to take it. Nobody else can have it for you. You've got to take it. That's what Jesus is talking about here. So I think there's, there's a couple of things that I think will help us there. Um, or what he says about who we're praying to and sort of the motivation or the, the way we can access um, God in prayer. So the first one is we're praying to our Father. That's what Jesus says. Pray to your Father. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Then your Father, who sees what is done in, in secret, will reward you. That's not what the hypocrites were doing. They were praying, really, to the people around them because they were trying to impress them. We're praying to our Father. That's not the same thing as like manifesting your, your goals and dreams. It's not the same thing as repeating a mantra. It's not the same thing as speaking positivity out in the universe to hope that positivity comes back to you. Those are all different things. What Jesus means when he's talking about prayer is you talking to God the Father, your Father. The most important thing to say about prayer is who you were praying to. And so if you want to say this afternoon, like, how do you pray? The first thing is to know, like, not so much what are you doing, but who are you praying to? You're praying to your Father. A book I read recently said, there's no greater hindrance to a life of prayer than wrong thoughts about God. You need to remember that you were praying to your Father. I think we get too caught up in the practicalities of like, what prayer looks like. What should I be doing? Like, should I speak? Should I sit silently? Should I write things down? Should I sing? Should I shout? Should I cry? Is it all right to cry? What if I'm groaning? What should I do with my hands? Should I lift them up? Should I clasp them? Should I beat my chest? Should I stand up? Should I dance? Should I kneel? Should I lay on the ground? I chose those random examples because in the Bible, you can find all of those. So the answer to all of that is yes, you can do any of those things, any or all of them. But I don't think we're limited to the ways that I've just said there either. But all of that, whether you're standing, crying, shouting, dancing, all of that is just so far less important than knowing who you were praying to. Like I could say, right, how, how best should I communicate uh, with Lisa, who's my wife? Should I speak to her? Should I call her? Should I text her? Should I write notes? Like I can do any of those things. I can do all of those things. But the most important things, with, am I doing those things to Lisa? Like, if, I, if I'm texting or writing notes, it's less important than am I actually sending those texts to the right person? Am I writing those notes and giving them to the right person? That's what it is here. Write your prayers down, speak them out, sing them. All of that is less important than are you praying to your father? So practically, your personal prayer life can look like loads of different things. You can do all sorts of different things. But there needs to be time with you, by yourself, praying to God the Father. Jesus uses this idea of a child coming to a father a number of different places in his teaching. To think of prayer as a child coming to their father. So think about a small child coming to a parent. They tell them everything, like any random thing that they think, and they just they, they tell the parent that. They ask them everything, whether that's questions or asking for things. They love their parent, and they feel loved, and so they don't think twice about approaching them. They just ask. They just speak. And for a small child in their world, their parent knows absolutely everything, so they just ask any random question because they just assume that the parent has the answer. In their little world, the parent has unlimited resources, so they'll just ask for anything because they assume the parent can answer, whether it's an ice cream or a unicorn. They just think, I'll ask my dad for it, or I'll ask my mum for it. 
that's the sort of image that Jesus is thinking of here, that we are children coming to a loving father in prayer. Something else I read said that there's two reasons why they thought we were reluctant to pray. pray. We either think God can't do anything about the situation or that he doesn't want to. And neither of those things are true. Like he can do anything in this situation and he, he wants to do the best for you. Now, I went, uh, me and Lisa both went to university in Manchester and the, the church we were at there um, had a few hundred people in and um, I remember quite clearly this guy um, who used to come every week um, and sit in the same sort of area as, as we did, so I saw him quite often. And he had three young boys, maybe, I don't know what their ages were, maybe two to sort of six. And it was not a million miles away from the way we structure things, and that the kids are in for the first bit, and then they went out for their, um, their activities. Maybe in, they were maybe in for a bit less time, maybe it was about 20 minutes. And for that 20 minutes, those kids were an absolute nightmare every week. They were crawling under, like it was more packed in than it is here. They were crawling under, like picking things up. He, was, he never lost his temper. He was a nice guy, but you could just see it was like so hard work. He was like picking them up, constantly moving. As soon as he turned to one, another one was doing things. Little did I know that a decade later, I would become that person. But at the time, I always remember like seeing him there and thinking, oh man, he's working really hard. He's not losing his patience. Like, um, I don't know, just, uh, I suppose, like, I noticed what was happening, and I can still remember that now. The reason why I mentioned it is, I think it's tempting to sort of subconsciously think of God as a bit like that guy. You know, God, he's really nice, like a great, a great father, but he's a bit stretched, like he's doing his best, but he's got a billion people praying to him, all asking different things. And so, yeah, technically I know he hears me prayers, but there's people in a far worse state than I am. And so I'm just like sort of saying things out there, but he's, he's, he's looking over here or somebody else is doing something else behind his back. That is not what God's like. Your father who you're praying to, your heavenly father who you're praying to, has unlimited resources. He has everything you need. He can do more than you can ask or imagine. No limits in any way. Whatever it is, he can do it. And does he want to do it? Well, Jesus says elsewhere, using that image of a child and a father again, that who, which parent would give their child um, a stone if they asked for bread? We wouldn't do that. And so how much more does God want to give us good gifts? He can only give us good gifts because he's perfectly good. So when we're praying to our Father, we're remembering that we're praying to a Father who loves us, who is good, who only gives us good gifts, and who has unlimited resources, who can do anything. He can do more than we can even imagine. That's the person we're praying to. And so when we think about how to pray, it starts with remembering who it is we're praying to, remind ourselves of his character. Pete Gregg, who founded the 24-7 prayer movement, said, I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God, so I ask for his help a lot. That's what it is here. I've said who's thinking about how to pray. Not, I haven't really said any practical things yet, but that's what I'm trying to say is that the most important thing, the thing that will motivate us to pray, the thing that will sustain our prayer life is remembering that we're praying to that perfectly loving, almighty Father. So that's the first thing, you're praying to your Father. And then the second thing that I think is important to help us to know how to pray is we're praying to our Father, trusting in his grace. The other thing that Jesus says we shouldn't do when you, when you pray, verse 7, when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. 
they're saying loads of certain things or repeating things or um, just saying a load of stuff. We don't know exactly what it is there. But the thing is that they're saying, he says, that they think they will be heard because of their many words. They've got a formula. And if they say these things or if they say this much stuff, then they'll be heard. It's like they're, they're earning a hearing from, uh, they think they're earning a hearing from God because of their words. Your words don't gain you a hearing with God. The thing that gains you a hearing with God is what we've just been saying. It's because he's your father. It's because he loves you. We don't have to earn anything in prayer. Prayer depends totally on grace. To even pray in the first place is a demonstration that we're trusting in God's grace. Because if we thought that prayer depended on us earning a hearing from God, it would be a total joke that any of us dared to even do it. I think prayer is an area where it's easy to slip into that works mentality where we think it depends on us. So you start thinking, oh, 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 I can't really pray after the sort of week I've had. The sort of things I've said to, to people this week, how, how can I come and pray? I, I can't come and pray. Why do I think God will listen to me? Or I, I haven't prayed for ages. What makes, I think I can, what makes me think I can just start now? Why would God listen to me when I haven't been praying to him at all? I think, oh, I, need to re I really want to ask God for help with this thing. I better start by thanking him with something else first so it doesn't seem like I'm just wanting stuff from him. Like, we come up with all these crazy things. When you say them out loud, they sound daft, but that's how we tend to think. There's a guy called uh, Jerry Bridges, who I remember hearing tell a story about this. I tried to look it up, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it, so I'll probably mangle some of the details, but the, 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 the key points are, are still the same. And he was talking about grace and just how everything depends on grace and nothing depends on our works. And he talked about how something had happened and he was going to preach at a church and he'd arrived at the church. He realized he didn't have any notes. He'd left his notes. It was something, it was, he saw it as his own fault. He, he, it was due to his own uh, daft mistake. And he, so he found himself praying like 10 minutes before the service was starting. And he was just praying for God's help. And then the thoughts that were coming into his mind were, why would God help you in this situation? This is your own fault. Like, if you'd been more organized or whatever, if it, or if you'd done that, like, why would he help you here now? You haven't prayed much this week. Why will he answer this prayer now? And so he was preparing to, to preach a message about how everything depends on grace and not his own performance. And even as he was praying in advance of that, those thoughts are coming in saying, well, why would God do that? Those thoughts about him having to earn stuff from God came in. And that's what happens with us all the time. And so we start to think, oh, there's a formula, there's a list of things, there's a, a pattern of behavior that will make our prayers more or less successful. There's only one formula that matters. God's your Father. And He's gracious towards you. That's the only formula that matters. Jesus says in verse 8, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, this, this idea of God knows what you need before you ask him, I think we tend to see that as a reason not to pray. Well, if God knows what I need before I ask him, why, why would I bother? We must be missing the point if we think in that, because Jesus seems to be thinking of this as a reason why we should pray, the reason why we should want to pray. And it's because when we're talking to your, like when you're talking to your father, when you're praying to your father, your father who loves you, your father who's just unendingly gracious towards you, When, he's, when Jesus says you know, he knows what you need, it means he knows you completely. There's nobody who knows you better. Now, meeting new people and, and talking to new people 
is great, maybe. <laughs> it's not for me, but I know some people like it. Um, but talking to somebody who actually knows you is a different, a different experience, isn't it? There's great comfort in talking to somebody who has known you for a long time or knows you really well, who you feel, oh, they get it. Like, if I tell them this, they understand, because they, they get me, they understand me. That's a different experience, and that's, I feel like, what this is getting at. When you're praying to your father, he knows, there's nobody knows you better. He knows your needs. He knows the needs that you don't even know about. Nobody knows you better than he does. Nobody loves you more than he does. Whatever situation it is that you're bringing to him in prayer, he knows that situation inside out. He knows it better than you do. He's more committed to your good than you are. That's the father who you're praying to. He loves you. He knows you. He's gracious towards you. That's how we need to pray. You can write it down. You can speak it out. You can pray silently, whatever. But the way that we pray is remembering who we are praying to, remembering that that is his character. So as a Christian, as a child of this loving, gracious Father, I don't want to be just praying randomly now and then. I want prayer to be an integral part of my life. I want prayer to be a habit in the same way that I'm in a habit of eating three meals a day. I never miss it. Or if I do, there's a bit of a problem there. I'm trying to catch up. I want prayer to be the same sort of habit that I'm in with that. So um, I've come up with four practical tips which I think are helpful for this. Um, These are like my ideas. These aren't what Jesus is saying here. And it all comes under the banner of, I think, the most important thing is knowing the character of the person we're praying to. So the, the first of my four little tips is I think it's worth planning it. Getting into a habit of prayer, making it a regular part of your life, doesn't happen by accident. Like, there's loads of other things that will just take its place. And so it's, you've got to think about, like, when am I going to pray? Like, where am I going to pray? What am I going to do? When I'm saying plan, I don't mean you need to have a detailed, like, written out um, timetable. But it's worth thinking about, like, when will it work for you to have some time where you can do the sort of thing that Jesus is saying there? Go into your room, shut your door, and it's just, like, where it's just you and God. Like, how can you make that work best in your situation, in your particular um, stage of life? How can you make that work? How can you find somewhere where it's just you and God? Now, loads of people love doing this on a morning. I think mornings are great, but I've always find it, found it difficult to make it work in the morning when I'm trying to get stuff ready and get out to work on time. So I, I've always had to try and find other times. Now, at one stage, quite a few years ago, I'd started using some of my lunchtime to to pray when I was at work. And that was working well, except it was unpredictable that uh, I work as a teacher and people would always be coming in and I'd be getting interrupted with people coming with excuses about why they hadn't done their homework and stuff like that. Um, And so what I ended up doing, I'm not recommending this, it worked for me for a time, was I started going to the toilet and praying in the cubicle for a a short amount of time because nobody was going to interrupt me there in general. Um, Now... It worked for a time. It wasn't, the, let's just say it wasn't the nicest of environments, <laughs> um, but uh, it worked for a time. And so I'm not, the point isn't, you, the point you shouldn't be, Mal shouldn't be writing down toilet cubicle now in his notes. <laughs> That's not the point I'm getting at here. What I'm saying is think about like, how you can make it work. Like you might not be able to, in your particular situation, it might not be ideal for you and you might not be able to get that ideal time that you'd like, but how can you make it work to do something? It's worth planning to like, try and take away the friction that will like, stop you doing it, making it as easy as possible. So thinking about like, what you're actually going to do, just so that you don't think, all right, this is now the time I'm praying, and you spend half the time wondering about what you're going to do. 
So you can think ahead and think, right, okay, I'm going to read this part of the Bible, or I'm going to pray about something that stands out to me from the passage, or I'm going to look on WhatsApp and find the prayer requests from last week's life group and, and pray through those. Like, what, whatever it's going to be, it's worth thinking about, right, when am I going to do it? Where am I going to be? Like, what am I actually going to do during that time? That's my first tip. I think it's worth planning, just thinking about it in advance what you're going to do. Second thing is, I think, make it achievable. So this is similar to what Scott was saying um, on New Year's Day. Um, you want, um, when, you, when you're thinking about um, building a habit of prayer or um, solidifying that in your life, you want it to be achievable. Like, if you, can, if you could find an hour and you were praying for an hour every day, that would be absolutely brilliant. I think probably that's going to be difficult for most of us to do. Finding an hour slot is going to be difficult to get into your schedule. It won't take much then to throw it off. So like a 10-minute slot that you actually do is far better than a longer slot that you, that you never actually end up doing. So make it achievable. Don't set goals like way high. Just think, like, what can I start doing? And then the more you pray, the more you'll want to pray. So don't worry about starting things small. So make it achievable. Third one is like experiment, like try different things. Um, you can get ideas from other people, how, what they do uh, when they're pray, praying, but don't compare yourself to them. Um, Lisa really likes writing stuff down, so she'll write uh, her prayers down in a prayer journal. That's not really what I, I, I get quite frustrated by writing. I find like, I, can't, like, I can't write fast enough for what I want to do, so I, I don't do that. And that, that's fine. Like, try different things. Um, in a... Before Grace Church started in the, the church we're in, uh, previously we used to sometimes have um, a prayer room operating for sort of 24 hours a day for like a weekend or in the run-up to Easter or something like that. And um, me and Lisa often used to take some of the slots in the middle of the night. This was before we had kids because uh, they were the, the sort of, people would sign up for an hour slot and then you'd sort of um, go on from there. And we used to end up with some of the early, early hours of the morning slots to try and keep it going. And we enjoyed doing that. Now, how me and Lisa would pray at 3 a.m. in the morning is quite different. So Lisa would like it set up with uh, candles going in the prayer room, some soft music. You know, she's got a journal out, she's got a Bible out. It's nice and calm and relaxed. That's one way of doing it. Sounds very nice. If I'm praying at 3 a.m., it turns out what I wanted to do was to put on some fairly intense techno at a loud volume and pace up and down the room. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm like, at that time in the morning, I'm going to be... It turns out those the two things didn't work well together. Like... <laughs> at 3am so um, we occasionally did a bit together and then I would sort of fall asleep for a bit and then take over a bit later on so we ended up having to come to a compromise there but the point of that is like different people are different but it's worth like trying different things and like think about what you might like we want to beware the the thing that you think oh well unless I've got this perfect situation organized then I can't pray we don't want that but there's no harm in thinking about um, what you would like if you want to light scented candles and listen to saxophone music, that's fine. Like, that's not my thing. I'll do something different, and you, somebody else will do something different to we do. You might want to go on prayer walks. You might want to use a prayer journal. You might want to use a list. You might want to use cards. Those are all different things that people um, I know talk about within Grace Church that has been helpful to them. So try different things. It might take you a while before you find something that really um, works well for you. So Think about, think about it in an advanced plan, make it achievable, experiment with different things. And the last thing is just to make it a priority. 
Like, I believe those things. I wouldn't have given those tips if I didn't think they were useful, so I believe in what I've just said. But there is a danger that what I've just said makes it sound a bit like life hackish, like how can you fit this into you as an extra thing in your, your, your busy schedule. And that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about, like Tim Keller said, the prayer is communicating with and experiencing God. This is you connecting with your Father. This is like vitally important, vitally important. It's not something where you're just thinking, oh, how can we slot it in? It's so important, you might have to sacrifice time doing something else to make this work. But what sort of things might you have to sacrifice time on something else? Well, I don't want to give examples because it would be different for everybody, but it's probably the first thing that came into your mind when I said you might have to sacrifice time doing something else to make this work. But it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Remember who you're praying to. You're praying to your gracious, perfectly loving, all-powerful Father. Anything else that you're sacrificing to make uh, time spent connecting with him is worth it. So Jesus moves straight from this little section into the Lord's Prayer. He says in verse 9, this then is how we should pray. And then he, he, he says the, the prayer that's become known um, throughout history as, as the Lord's Prayer. And so it's an amazing prayer. It covers God's character, God's purposes, our needs, forgiveness, uh, temptation. And so we're just going to finish now by spending a little bit longer than we might normally at the end of this in prayer. And we're going to use this as a, a basis. So I'm going to read like a line of the Lord's Prayer and just reflect on that. We'll spend a minute after each one. Um, use that as a, a starting point for your uh, personal prayers to God. Um, you might think about um, his character when it's talking about how far well I'll, I'll say that at the time um, but if you are I'll just say if you are not wanting to do that that is absolutely fine just sit quietly think about whatever um, it'll take us about I don't know between five and ten minutes um, feel free to think about what you want you can't I can't force anybody to pray but I'd really encourage you even if this might be the first time that you're thinking about praying to God um, that you can do that like as I just said there's no requirements there's no nothing you have to do to earn it you just need to approach him receiving his grace approach him as a loving father so even if that's the first time you've ever tried to do that today that's absolutely fine so uh, let's pray together i'll read a um a line of this at a time and then we'll just use that to um think about um how we can pray to god